I'm not sure what you do at the beginning of each year, but I tend to, at some point, spend some time reflecting over what's been and potentially what will be uh, around this season. And I don't know that you have to do that at New Year's, but it's been my habit. Um, one of the things that Char and I do is that uh, we record our weight each day. So her weight was, no, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I do want to go home, so <laughs> we're not going to go there. But um, I uh, thought, well, I'm going to look back and see where I was last year. And we've been doing this for several years, and I was, wasn't totally surprised, and I went back to the year before that, and I realized that um, a simple diet wouldn't just fix things. It would take a lifestyle change for me to change the trajectory of where things have been going. And it's things like that where you might fool yourself for a while, but if, if the evidence is <laughs> a hard thing right there in front of you, uh, you don't get to do that. And, and so... That concept is something that um, I'm very aware of in regard to one of the definitions of sin in Scripture. You know, when you read Romans 3, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, that term um, is connected with, like, missing the mark with archery. So it's like you take a shot at something, but you didn't quite hit the mark. And so you lost the prize as a result of that. And that term's used about 45 times in the New Testament as when it's connected with sin. And so um, I've been, I just been chewing on that because it, it's something that has affected me. Um, when I was a kid, uh, the, one of the first TV programs that I saw, now, <laughs> I am so old. <laughs> That, never mind, <laughs> 66. TV was just coming in, black and white. And if you wanted color, you put a, a pink film over the screen. <laughs> they did, they trust me on this one. But one of the first programs that I attached to, okay, yeah, just tone it down. Um, one of the first things that I tied into was a program called Robin Hood. And it was done in the 50s. And uh, I was fortunate enough a couple years ago to go back and find it on DVD. And so now I can introduce my grandkids, which certainly need that thing. Um, it, television has changed quite a bit over the years. But um, that, as a boy, was just like, oh, my goodness. And so I'd make bows out of tree limbs and string and branches and eventually one Christmas I talked my folks into getting me a bow and uh, you know the biggest surprise that day was it was a different color than I thought because when I'd gone in their closet to see what I was getting it was dark in there and I didn't have access to a flashlight and and, and I made the mistake of asking is this what you got originally <laughs> still a kid you know you learn to get more deceptive with age, but uh, that bow 
um, was something that I shot over and over and over again. And being a guy, I was already aware that you you don't look for instructions, you just do it, right? And so a few weeks into it, somebody showed me that I'd been stringing it wrong, but it was actually a recurve, but I didn't know that. And so uh, it had much more force then. But we had wood arrows, and, you know, I shot hundreds of times at this tree and such. But in that day, you have curved arrows. And all that said was that many years later, uh, when I went to Illinois, one of my friends asked, would you be interested in trying hunting? Now, he was looking for somebody to get up at 4.15, be to his house by 5, so he could be out in the woods by 6, so that when the sun came up at 6.30 or 7, we were ready to go. And I said, sure, that sounds like fun. Um, fun changes over time for us. But um, he introduced me to current bows, compound bows, you know, on aluminum risers with... Uh, I'm missing the term right now, uh, cams that stop at a specific point. And he began to teach me the, the details of this. And I realized that there was a lot, even though I'd, I'd shot many, many times, I hadn't learned what was truly connected with this. And, and so, you know, you begin to understand that if you hold the bow like this, you're going to hit your elbow, but you want your hand more like this, that slight turn. And then you begin to realize, you know, one day he sees that I'm hitting the target where I need to hit it, but the arrows are going in crooked. And so he says, let's do a paper test. And you shoot through the paper, and it cuts a jagged edge, and you realize the arrow's coming off crooked. Even though it's landing where it's supposed to, it's not going with the force that it, that's appropriate. And then you get the aluminum or, or uh, carbon arrows, and you know it just gets more and more involved. But that said, you reach a point where you're driving arrow on top of arrow, and you have to start going further and further away, and you start have to shoot at different points each time, otherwise you're going to ruin all your arrows. And it's not that hard to reach that point because of the equipment, and once you learn the technique, all you have to do is develop the skill level up a bit. I look at that as an approach to life in the Lord as well, okay? That we make this basic commitment, but we say, I want to hit the target, so to speak. I want to win the prize. I want to be accurate with what I'm doing. I want to have a skill level that, that does this appropriately. Now, I mentioned, you know, like targeting weight. That has very little to do with Christianity, truthfully. I mean, when, when you read the New Testament, you're hard-pressed to find a, a verse or two that goes after those things. Those, 
those tend to be more on the side of selfishness or laziness or, you know, there's underlying issues, right? But my relationship with God and my relationship with others is something that is appropriate for me to keep targeting and saying, how accurate am I being in this? How, how much, how often am I hitting the target with, with what I'm attempting to do? And, and so... I was reading through some of these verses because, like I said, this term's used about 45 times in Scripture. And uh, one is, if your brother sins, go show him his fault. If he listens, you've regained a brother. He says so relationally. There's a, a an importance here that it actually is very crucial for another if you can help them see they're missing the target, so to speak. Um, in that same passage. Uh, Peter goes, well, how many times do we got to do this? You know, how many times do we keep forgiving people? And Jesus basically says, it's infinite. Yeah, but it, it's like, how many times can that person miss the target and you still put up with them? Well, it's ongoing, just like it is for you and me. You know, it's, it's one of those things that we look at and we go, okay, but you keep shooting and you keep trying to, to tighten your, your cluster, so to speak. That's another important concept when you're shooting. It's, it's like, can you pull this grouping in tighter and tighter so that you are, you're more and more accurate, so to speak? And it gets goofy. You, uh, you have different colored veins so that you put the arrow on the rest the same way every time you number those arrows so that if one's shooting a little different, you make sure that it's not just the arrow. You make sure that the grain of the head is the same on every arrow. You, you know, you, you can get absorbed with such things, but you get more and more accurate each time you pursue those things. And so when we, we look at this in the Lord, it's like, if I allow myself to walk through this process of saying, how well am I loving you? How well am I loving others? We keep targeting this behavior. In the story of the prodigal son, the son makes this comment. He says, I'm going to go back to dad and I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. In other words, I've sinned against the Lord and I've sinned against you relationally. Please accept me back in. I've missed the target of what was appropriate. Corinthians says, if you sin against your brothers or sisters in this way, you wound their weak conscience and you sin against Christ. And he's talking about doing things that cause others to stumble. And he's saying, this isn't good. This has an effect on their lives and it has an effect on your life in Christ as well. So again, we, we set that target out. We say, I don't want to do things that are destructive of other lives. How well am I doing that? Here's an interesting one. Ephesians, be angry and don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Another thing, while shooting, you learn that not only do you have to control your breath, but you have to control your emotions. Because if you get all worked up, then suddenly your adrenaline is running through your body and you 
you don't have the same steadiness that you once had. And in some ways, it becomes very easy at that point to miss the mark. And so he's going, when you're all jittery, <laughs> don't miss the mark. You know, when you're, when you're wound up, be careful that you don't step off into foolishness here. Hebrews, a rather sobering verse, says, If we deliberately keep on sinning after receiving the knowledge of truth, no further sacrifice for sins is left for us, but only a certain fearful expectation of judgment and the fury of fire that will consume the enemies of God. So if you, if you say, I know what the target is, but I'm not interested, <laughs> it becomes a problem. I want to jump over to the book of Jude. It's a short little book, only one chapter, near the end of the New Testament. And just read a couple of verses. Wow, good to see you guys. Up from downstate. Um, Jude says, in regard to what the apostles have taught, he says, they told you that in the end times there will be scoffers propelled by their own ungodly desires. These people are divisive, worldly, and devoid of the Spirit. Now he's looking at what's the opposite of that. You're working toward a unity or a harmony together. You're living godly. And you're allowing the Spirit to work through your life. But he says there, you know, there's a contrast. And you have to be aware of that. And he says, but you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, maintain yourselves in the love of God, and anticipate the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. So build yourselves up. In other words, invest in developing yourself in the Lord. Maintain that approach, and then anticipate this eternal life with the Lord. So it's, it's building, maintaining, looking onward. And even this phrase of praying in the Holy Spirit intrigues me. Uh, I don't profess to understand it fully. But there are some verses around it that are, are similar. Romans 5 makes this thing. It says, For those who live according to the flesh have their outlook shaped by the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit have their outlook shaped by the things of the Spirit. So in other words... If we allow the presence of God into our lives and we allow this new birth of the Spirit that the Scripture talks of, then it, it has a potential of shaping us in ways that are God-pleasing. And so we say that I can't just do this on my own. It isn't just a matter of trying hard. But it's allowing God to work in me in such a way that there's an intertwining of spirit that allows me to begin to think his thoughts and to pursue his desires. In other words, I can hit the mark of what he asks of me. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Romans 5 says, in regard to the struggle... It says, suffering produces endurance, endurance character, 
and character hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I look at this verse in particular in regard to this last year and the changes that are taking place within our society and our culture. And all of us are wondering what's next or what's, what's going to happen. But there's something even bigger than that that says that no matter what struggle you are in, there's a way of enduring this in the Lord that actually builds your life in Him. There's a way of coming out of this ahead, so to speak, or victorious, where, in other words, the work of God is made complete even in the process. And I I cling to verses like that going, do I know where things are going politically? Nope. Do I see things that cause me alarm? Yep. Do I um, anticipate that I can change it? Nope. But at the same time, I feel like there's, there's a bigger awareness of all of this. If God could take Nebuchadnezzar, who ruled all the known world at that point, and cause him to live like an animal for seven years, and then bring him back, and he's going, I give all glory to God, the ruler of all things. I know that he's, he's over all. If he could do that with a world-class ruler, he can certainly take care of the issues of our day and have oversight over the nations. But the challenge becomes for us not to be preoccupied with the politics as much as we are preoccupied with our God in allowing him to do in and through us what he wants to accomplish. So going back to Jude, it says, Have mercy on those who waver. So he's, he's saying in, in your approach with others, he says, if others aren't holding it together, just be merciful toward them. He says, save others by snatching them out of the fire. You know, so there's some that are just kind of, I don't know, I, I mean, I'm trying to live for God, but it's, others are going, I'm not even, you know, I'm not involved in this. And he says, snatch them out of the fire. He says, um, and, and going further, he says, have mercy on others, coupled with a fear of God, hating even the clothes stained by flesh. And he links together mercy and fear of God, which is an intriguing thought. Because, you know, we can have this idea of mercy or loving and being always caring and, and embracing. And, and uh, you know, it's like a sign of true love just to, to, to be kind and considerate and, and encouraging. You know, that's kind of the, the mantra of our day, right? Encourage everyone and everything. And yet he says, keep in mind the fear of God. You just, you can't abandon the understanding that God holds people to account for their behavior and action. And so you're trying to blend this idea of compassion and encouragement with this understanding that there is a bottom line with things as well. And so you're, you're trying to, to carry both into your relationship with others. And then he goes into an expression of praise, and he says, to the one who's able to keep you from falling and to cause you to stand rejoicing, 
without blemish before his glorious presence. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time and now and for all eternity. So because there's one who's able, in a sense, to help you hit the mark. There's one who's able to put a target before you of what needs to be. He says, he can cause you to stand without blemish before his glorious presence. Praise to the Lord. That's my hope for the new year. That's my pursuit. You know, to say, Lord, in my relationship to you, how can I target doing this thing well? My relationship with others, how can I target living a life that loves others in a way that's pleasing unto you? Embracing what heaven embraces. Living it out on earth. In regard to this hitting the mark in archery, the thing I love about it is that even when we say, I missed the mark, you just pull out another arrow and shoot again. You know, you keep at it. And uh, you do that 40, 50 times a day for a number of weeks. And next thing you know, you're hitting regularly. And uh, in life, in some ways, it's like, yeah, you missed the mark, pull out another arrow and shoot again. <laughs> keep at it. And it's, there's a beautiful thing in that that allows us to to change and, and to be different in life as the Lord works through us that way. I want to pray for God's blessing on you. Um, remind you that there's a meal downstairs. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it is to hit the mark in you. The relationship with you might be sweet with others the same. Ask as each one goes into the community that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. Ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you to stay. Amen.